This is a special presentation of Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Thursday, March 24, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 and 31 through 35. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Tonight we come to the evening where Jesus was betrayed. And on that evening, before he was betrayed, though, he did some very significant things that have lasted throughout the ages. The first one we hear about here in the Gospel of John is the washing of feet. And he did this as, a, as an example so that people would understand that if you are going to follow Jesus Christ, then you have to be a servant, first and foremost. You have to be willing to serve others. Because, you see, it was only slaves who washed the people's feet. You know, the people of the household didn't wash each other's feet. Their slaves washed their feet. They didn't have slaves who washed their own feet. But for someone to wash someone's feet meant that they were a slave to that person. And so Jesus is trying to tell us here that if we want to uh, follow him, then we must be a servant to all people. You know, that's why the Pope has that uh, titled The Servant of the Servants of God. Um, but we are all called to be the servants of the servants of God. So that whoever we encounter, we are called to serve them, to help them, to assist them in whatever way we can and whatever way they need. So that was the first example that he gave for us. The second example um, isn't explicitly mentioned in the gospel, but Paul talks about it in the epistle, which is that he instituted the Lord's Supper, you know, the Eucharist. Some people call it the Mass. And in that, there were specific actions that he took And those actions were that he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Now, we know the words of institution and what was said, but what is so significant about that taking and breaking and giving? How does that affect? Well, it is really the the precursor of what is about to happen to Jesus on the cross. You see, God is going to take the Son of Man, and he is going to break him. And he's going to give him for the life of the world. That's really what it's all about. That's why when Jesus did the words of institution, what he said was, do this in remembrance of me. I wish we could take that back. Not because what he said was wrong, but because our meaning of remembrance doesn't mean the same thing anymore. When we remember something, what do we do? Yeah, we think about it again. That's really not at all what Jesus is talking about. The Greek word in here is anamnesis. And it really goes back to the original meaning of remember, because, which you could easily gather if I use the opposite of it. If I said, I want you to dismember somebody, what would I be saying? Yeah, I want you to take them apart, cut them up. Well, to remember means to bring together again. And so when we celebrate the Eucharist, that's what we're doing is we're bringing back into this moment, or more so we're bringing this moment into that eternal moment, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the once-for-all sacrifice. You see, he doesn't have to be sacrificed over and over again. He did it one time for everyone. But what we do in this is we engage ourselves to be a part of that moment. That's why Paul says that as long as we do this, we remember the Lord's death, where God took him and broke him and gave him for the life of the world. And the third thing that he institutes as an example for us is he gives us a new commandment. It was actually the very first sermon I ever preached to this congregation was about this new commandment. 
that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Now, how did Jesus love us? Did he go up and get all gushy over everybody? Oh, I love you, man. (laughs) No, not really. When Jesus loved, he put the interest of the other before his. He cared more about our well-being than he cared about his well-being. And what he's telling us is that's the way we ought to be too. We ought to care more about the well-being of one another than we are about ourselves. And when we don't do that, then people don't recognize us as Christians so much anymore. When we don't serve one another as slaves, they don't recognize us as Christians so much anymore. And the sad thing about those three examples that come out of this Monday Thursday is that the only one that seems to have stuck was the communion part. You know, and we, in, in some places that hasn't stuck either. But, but that's really the only thing that people recognize. But what would it mean if we didn't learn how to be slaves to one another? If we didn't learn how to love one another as he has loved us? Because you see, the greatest example of the love of Jesus is on that cross where he died for the sins of the world. The greatest example of the servanthood of God is on the cross, where he died for the sins that you and I committed. And so when we come forward to celebrate this Eucharist, and when we come forward to receive it into our hands and our mouths, we're not just receiving the body and blood of Christ, though we are, but we too are asking to be taken and broken and given for the life of the world. That's why we're here so that we can die with him, so that we might live with him. You know, the truth of the matter is that when God takes something and breaks it and and gives it, it comes out with far more abundance than it ever had to begin with. We saw that in the fishes and the loaves, you know, story on the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, they only had two fish and, uh, what was it, 12 loaves, five loaves? uh, That's right, five loaves, and they had 12 disciples. And they told them to hang out. (laughs) Hey, it's a long week. What can I tell you? Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, to give it out, and when, when they gathered it back up, what did they have? Twelve baskets. There we go. I knew that twelve was there somewhere. So um, five just didn't fit into my revelation class at all when I was doing that. But it's true um, that God will take us, yes, and He will break us. He'll break our pride. He'll va- break our vanity. He'll break our dreams. He'll break our hopes, and He'll give us for the life of the world. And what do we discover in place of it? We discover immortal life, life that never ends, a place where there is no more sorrow or crying, a place where there is no more hunger, a place where there is no more thirst, a place where there is only joy living out the life that God has called us to live, being the people that God called us to be. And so this night is an important night, not just because it remembers the Passover and Jesus is the Passover lamb, but because it is our offering. You know, in the Eucharist, we're going to say this, we're going to say, and here we offer ourselves, both our souls and bodies, to be a living sacrifice to you. You ever think about how serious that is? And when you come forward, by the way, at the end, when you say amen, do you know what amen means? So be it. And when you come forward and you take the body and blood of Christ, then you are participating in that. And you're saying, Lord, take me, break me, give me. 
Give me for the life of the world, just as surely as your son did. Help me to be a slave to all, that I might be able to love all as you have loved me. That's really the message that comes out of Maundy Thursday. The question is, is, will it just become another routine that we do? Or will we 